Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Bond Podcast. I'm beyond excited for this episode because my guest today is Ed Milet. Ed is a global keynote speaker on peak performance and considered one of the most inspiring speakers of our time. Ed is also the host of very famous and top-rated podcast Max Out with Ed Milet. And for over two decades, Ed has been privately coaching many of the top professional athletes, entertainers, business executives. Ed is also considered the success and fulfillment whisperer for elite achievers in helping them to perform max out levels of their lives. He's one of the country's top 50 wealthiest under age of 50 and known for building one of the largest financial organizations in America today. He has been recognized by multiple publications as the fastest growing business personality in the history of social media and continues to connect and mentor top entrepreneurs. So in this episode, we'll be discussing so many great topics, how to max out your life, business, how to max out your confidence, what does success mean, why is it good to be a hustler, what business advice the rich don't want you to know, how to set clear goals and achieve them, what habits allow people to perform at an elite level, and so much more. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Ed. I'm so glad to have you on my podcast. I'm so honored. How are you today? Well, it's my honor, and I'm doing great. So thank you for having me. I'm excited. 
Yeah, me too. And of course, we would love to learn more about you since you're such a celebrity and well known. <laughs> well, you're pretty well known too. So it's mutual. Not as much as you are yet, but I'm, I'm getting well, there. You're working on it. You're working on it. Something yeah. tells me you will be. Yeah. Definitely so be. would you please tell us about yourself, about uh, what do you do? Wow, that's a broad question. I'm an average, ordinary person. I grew up in middle class, lower middle class. What do I do? I'm an entrepreneur, but I became pretty successful as an entrepreneur by really getting good at personal development and peak performance, mental strategies, you know, learning to build self-confidence. And so I've sort of been in both worlds as an entrepreneur for, I'm old, so 30 years. And then also in the kind of the personal development brain peak performance space that entire time too. And then it just turned into social media and then podcasting and speaking and coaching. And so I do a little of everything now from coaching and training very successful, you know, politicians and entertainers and athletes, uh, business people, all the way to running my own businesses still. That's amazing. And what helped you to become so successful? What have you had any challenges on the way to success? Oh, I've had, had thousands of challenges on the way. Um, I think the things that helped me, so I've had, you know, Today was a challenge. I've had challenges this morning. So um, I think that what's helped me is my faith. You know, I'm a person, I became a person of stronger faith. And so I believe that, you know, God wants me to win, wants me to help people, wants me to be happy. So that's helped me. And then, um, and then just really, you know, for me, I'm, a, I'm not super smart. I'm not the most talented person in the world. So for me, it's just outworking everybody. And then learning little hacks of how I could improve my self-confidence and my performance because I did not grow up with a lot of self-confidence. In fact, I grew up with none. I really, really grew up insecure, shy, introverted. Public speaking was like my greatest fear. And so I just had a lot to overcome. So I think just a combination of my faith and then, you know, modeling my dad's work ethic combined with really trying to improve myself and change myself has allowed me to, as I change the internal me, I changed the external results of my life at the same time. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I do believe that internal work is very important. And sometimes, even though like when we do our internal work, our appearance changes as well. Because when we transform, it's like sometimes becomes totally obvious to others too. You're like, oh, you look better for some reason. What happened to you? <laughs> I would agree with that. I, I, went, to, I went to college uh, 150 pounds and pretty scrawny and you know now i'm 218 220 depending on the how much i ate last night how much i drank but um yeah it's certainly my and one of the catalysts for me it's interesting i know you know this but one of the catalysts for me is my body meaning one of the ways that i change my state is to get used to work out is to be physical it's been you know i'm a big believer that you're a business athlete and more and more that's become prominent but i've been saying that for 30 years when it wasn't cool to say i've always trained like a professional athlete and then now more and more athletes trains like CEOs. LeBron James is a CEO as much as he is an athlete. And, and you look at, you know, other athletes are the same way. And so most business people now get, you better be fit. You have to have that competitive advantage, but your best in energy, your best in performance. And so, yeah, definitely physical training is a huge part of my life, even to this day. Yeah, I agree because it kind of impacts your mind as well. So it's just like, it's important to move your body and important to work out. In no your doubt. opinion, how do you max out your life and your business? And I know you have an amazing book. Yeah, Would you please tell us more about it? I have a book called Max Out Your Life. It's a 100-page book. You can read it in a day. You can go get it on Amazon. I'm in the process of writing a bigger book with a publisher right now that'll be out 
in the fall, late summer in the fall of uh, 2021. That's a more, it's a 250 page book. But um, I, listen, I think you have to get really clear on what you want in your life. And, you know, very specific. Most people never get specific. It's like, I want to be rich or I want to be in shape. Exactly how much do you want to weigh? Exactly what's your body fat? What's rich? You know, when I was 20 years old, a million dollars was to me was going to be rich. Now, you know, it's not that number, right? So it's being very specific with what you want. And then, you know, finding your bliss, finding a way to be happy. And that's what everybody wants. They think if I get money, I'll be happier. If I get a great relationship, I'll be happier. If my body looks a certain way, but you don't want those things. You want how you think they're going to make you feel. So if you could find a way to feel those things now, then acquiring those things is much easier. But it's this notion that you're going to wait to be happy until these destinations is it's dangerous thinking because I know a lot of people that I coach that you know very, very well from TV or sports or whatever that they get to these places and they're still not happy when they get there. So I love how you said it. It's not like what we want. It's a feeling about ourselves when we get it. And we sometimes miss that part and we just chase some happiness or something. And it's not even not there when we achieve it still. So true. Like, I love how you said it. One of the things that's not talked a lot about is like, instead of getting clear on like, what are the things you want? What if you got clear on what emotions you want to feel regularly? Like no one ever asked themselves that. What do you actually want to feel most of the time? Because most of us, at least I did the first half of my life, I started acquiring achievements and stuff, but I was still experiencing emotions of anxiety and fear and sometimes depression, anger, you know, feeling lost that those emotions didn't make me feel good. Finally, I'm like, well, what would I want to feel? Well, I'd want to feel loved and love. I'd want to feel gratitude. I'd want to feel peace. I'd want to feel intensity and passion and ecstasy and uh, laughter, you know, humor. So once I started powerful, I wanted to start getting, I started getting intentional about what are the emotions I want? And the more and more I get these emotions, it's not that difficult to go get the external stuff anymore. But it's when you have this internal conflict of you're living in anxiety and fear and depression and worry, and you think you're going to go achieve big things. That's a difficult space to do that from if you're regularly getting the wrong emotions. Wow, that's a great point. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And in your opinion, how to max out your confidence, how to gain that confidence that you need to achieve yeah. your goals. That's definitely something that I struggled with, you know, when I was young and even in the beginning of my business career. To me, confidence is not hard to get, though. And confidence is keeping the promises that you make to yourself, period. And most people aren't intentional about it. You know, they start a nutritional program, they stop. They start a certain way to work out, they stop. They intend to make 15 contacts a day in their business, and then they don't. You know, they intend to read a book a month, and they don't. And so they say, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m., and it's 6.45. So for me, it was simple things like starting to keep promises I make to myself, like when I'm going to go to the gym, what I'm going to eat, when I get up in the morning, am I going to make my bed? Um, am I going to make a certain amount of contacts every day? And over time, I go, I can trust me. And that's what self-confidence is. It's self-trust. I can trust me. And the more I started to trust me on little things, I could trust me when I set up big things. But this idea that you constantly make promise, break promises to yourself, then you set up these big old goals. You don't believe you're going to do those things because you haven't even kept the small ones. And that's not that doesn't make you bad. That makes you human. But if you want more confidence, you need to evaluate keeping the promises you make to yourself regularly for a while. And you're going to find you'll transform yourself when you begin to do that. And the other thing is, give yourself some credit for your intentions. In other words, if your confidence is always going to be contingent on you achieving something, then you're always going to be, it's like a loop, you're always going to be chasing it. But what if you said, I'm confident because I intend to do good. 
I intend to make a difference. I intend to heal and serve people and contribute to their lives. I deserve to win. I'm a good person. Not enough people, especially the really good people. They're the ones that are hardest on themselves. Why don't you just give yourself credit for being good? Do you ever think about that? And when you start to do that, your confidence can stem from your goodness, which you know to be true about you, instead of some talent or achievement you may or may not have. So for me, it's keeping the promises and then just reminding myself of my good intentions. For me, it was the hardest part when I went on my own, like after working nine to five to keep the promises to myself, because, you know, sometimes like, yeah, you're your own boss, maybe. I don't feel like doing this today. Well, I have to, but, you know, I promised myself and then like, Kind of the first time I kind of struggled with it, but I love how you said it that keeping the little promises actually lead us to huge results. And yeah, and I think you're very pretty good. important. I, I, I watch your stuff, you're pretty good. And you know, when you do, if you're talking about being an entrepreneur, that you just hit on it. I've seen so many entrepreneurs, especially in some of my businesses, where they've left their job and they think they no longer have a job. When you're an entrepreneur, you have 10 jobs now, you left one for 10. It's way more work. Like, not, not anybody that's an employee. I respect that. I was one too, but we kind of get there when we get there and we leave when we leave as an entrepreneur, you never leave and you never just don't get there. It's all the time. And I don't think most people have an appreciation for the amount of work, just flat out freaking work it takes to become a multi multi-millionaire or billionaire. It takes a ton of work and it, you dramatically underestimate how much for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it never stops. It's like you, you don't just like leave work and forget about it. You just like think about it all the time and you have to like build boundaries. Like you have to tell yourself, okay, I will take day off today. Or yeah, you, you, it, and you, you do can. need to do that. I, I was terrible at resting and yeah. it drives my wife crazy. It's two o'clock in the morning. I wake up. She's like, get off your, cause I type notes into my phone or I write notes. I'm like, I woke up with an idea. I woke up with something I got to do tomorrow. I thought, here's a thought, you know, it's, I've just sort of accepted, I always thought too, by the way, once I get really, really rich or whatever it might be, this will all stop. I'll just get to a point where I don't want to do it anymore. And it's just, I was thinking about it today. Like I have like 17 meetings today on a Monday and I'm like, it just doesn't stop. Like I'm just, I need to accept the pace. It's just probably going to be a mirror. I interviewed a man today for my podcast. It'll be out in a few weeks. He's 71 years old. He's worth $3.5 billion and he has a TV show. He runs a fund, an investment fund. He's the chairman of like five different institutions. It's like he's 71 years old. He's 22 years older than me and he's running at the same pace I am. So I might as well just accept this is my crazy life. I know it was a little bit hard for me at first because like all this I have to do is like the amount and the like everyone wants something from you. And you have to respond to all these emails, all these meetings, and it's like nonstop. The good thing is I'll give you something that's never said on shows. It's different when you don't have to do it, though, and you still do it. In other words, when you're in the middle of the grind and it's all these emails and all these things and you have to do it because there's a pressure on you to do it financially, that's different than what I'm doing now, which is I'm doing it really just because I want to and I don't have to. And it's just weird. I don't know how to say it without you having to get there eventually, but like there's just a a lack of pressure about doing it now or stress about doing it, even though I still do it, it's different than having to do it. And so just know that although the pace may not change someday, the emotional burden of having to do it will go away once you're, you know, hopefully wealthy. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. What does success means to you? That's a great question. 
it certainly isn't just money, although part of my blueprint is money. But like my dad was a very, very successful man who never accumulated a lot of money. I know my sister's a school teacher at a private Christian school. She doesn't make money. She's very successful. And the reason is, is that I think there's two things that make you successful. One is when your life conditions, that the way you're living matches up to your vision for it. So there's a congruency between what you want to be doing and you're doing it or experiencing it. And then the second one is that when you kind of just finally uncover what some of your gifts are, whether that's your, like my sister, who's the school teacher, she's just kind and cares and is nurturing and has this way about her where people are very comfortable with her. She's a perfect school teacher, right? Me, I'm kind of intense and driven and, you know, it might be your listening skills, your humor, your beauty, your your uh, math skills, your problem solving skills, your discipline, your relentlessness, your resiliency, doesn't matter what it is. But once you figure out what a couple of your gifts are, and then you use those gifts in the service of other people, you're probably going to be pretty damn happy most of the time. So those are the two things. I agree. It's like everyone is trying to find their why. And I, for me too, like success is not just money it also happy family as well because i mean you can have all the money in the world but then you're going to be lonely and who are you going to share your money with i mean you can find people but it's not going to be like it's true and i know a lot of people with money who aren't happy but but now for me you know and then I, you know what i don't like is when someone gets rich and then they go oh money doesn't matter that's easy to say when you have a bunch right? So I don't want people to think that I don't think having money matters if that's a priority for you. So like my dad, that was never a priority. My sister, that's not something she cares about. But if it's something you care about, then you need to go get a bunch of it because it's part of your blueprint for what you want. And in my case, I'm a dreamer. I wanted a jet. I wanted nice homes. I wanted to be able to do things for my family, pay their homes off, or when they had a medical emergency, be there you know, I wanted to be able to give to the organizations and causes that matter to me, right? I like nice cars. I, I, I like great bottle of wine, right? So that's not bad or good. It's just how I am. And it does, it's not my number one priority. Could I be happy without money? Absolutely. Am I happier with it? Yes. I often say I've been happy rich and I've been happy poor and happy rich is better. Yeah, I agree. You know what like always kind of upsets me that some people say, oh, you like nice things because you're just, you only like nice things and it's kind of bad because you only care about material stuff. But no, you can like nice things and you can still be a nice person and help others. And I mean, love money, it's nothing wrong with it. But some people, you know, there's stigma about money and loving money that it's like kind of evil. Yeah, I always say, one of my sayings is even a, one of these gifts on Instagram about it now. I say, people matter, things don't. And things don't matter. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't want to have them. I, listen, I have, a, I have a Global Express jet. That jet could pick me and you up right now and take us nonstop to London if we wanted to go, right? On my plane, you know, there's a shower. There's I, my family and I, we got three beds. We can sleep when we fly. It's pretty cool, right? Here's the deal. That's better than flying in coach. On, on commercial. It's just better. There's no airport. There's no security. There's no, you know, waiting around. You know, there's no, I don't have to sit by people I don't want to talk to. It's pretty cool, right? So it's better. It doesn't mean that it wouldn't be great to go, but it's just a better way to travel. So I'm really fortunate that I have that. Having said that, is it as important? Would I, would I trade that for my dad just passed away? Would I give my jet up so that my dad could have 10 more years and I could be with my dad for 10 more years? Of course I would. 
So people matter, things don't, but that doesn't mean that these things aren't something that can bring us some temporary happiness or convenience in our life too. Yeah, I agree with you. Sorry to hear about your dad. Thank you. Appreciate that. Why is it good to be a hustler? You know, I always define myself a hustler and I've been one since I was 13 years old because I start working like, you know, I started selling cosmetics when I was 13 years old and I had five people under me. I had my team yeah. at that age <laughs> and that is like never stopped for me. So, yeah, I love that about you, by the way. I had my first business. I was selling uh, sodas at the golf course when I was 11. I had a car detailing business when I was 12. I had a baseball card business when I was even younger than that. So I've always been hustling too. You know, for me, doing nothing is boring. That's just for me. Now, in all honesty, that doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong. It's just, I know me. You got to know you. For example, my wife works very hard at what she does, but her idea of a great day is not doing a whole lot. Like she'd like to just lay out and be at the beach or, you know, she, her bliss is not found in hustling, right? For me, I can lay on the beach for a day you might get me a day and a half, but then I start going crazy. I want to be doing something. I want to be moving. I want to be contributing. I want to be growing. I want to, I want to compete, you know? And so that doesn't mean that she's wrong and I'm right or the other way around. It just means she knows what makes her happy. And by the way, serving her family, loving her children. I mean, that's a ton of stuff that she does makes her happy. But the idea for her to get up with 11 appointments or 17 appointments in a day, you know, and, and going crazy in a given day, that wouldn't make her happy. Now, and this is important because maybe people listening to this are in a relationship where you're like, I gotta be with someone just like me. That's not necessarily true. She's not like me at all that way. It's, it's worked, worked out pretty well. So, you know, you don't maybe having some understanding of what brings them bliss, what brings them happiness, just because it's different than you doesn't make them better, worse, right, or wrong. It makes them different. And that's the spice of life is having people in your life that are a little bit different than you. Now, most of my friends are hustlers. I'll just be real with you, right? But I got a couple of those buddies like, hey, dude, let's have a drink, man. Let's play some golf. Let's laugh a little bit. And if I just was around crazies like me all day long, I'd be literally crazy. So it's okay to have people around you that are different. Yeah, I totally agree with you because we need those people who are a little bit more chilled and like yes. kind of take our mind off because always yes. think about business and hustle. It's way too much. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my really close friends, people that follow my show know are stand-up comedians, you know, and they're like, these guys aren't even driven. Or I'm like, dude, they make me laugh. And I need people around me that make me laugh. And I give them a little more ambition than they might have. And we, we make a pretty good combo. Yeah, I agree. Balance each other out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What business advice that rich don't want you to know? What's business advice the rich don't want you to know? The rich don't want you to know that it's that you are closer to getting there than you think. In other words, a lot of, especially influencers too. So people that are teaching entrepreneurship or teaching personal development, they'd like to make it seem pretty mysterious and complicated because then they have a lot of value. You need them. So the rich want you to think you need them. The rich want you to think it's complicated and sophisticated and all these other things. When the truth is, it's not. Complexity actually is the enemy of execution. So the more complicated you make something, the less likely you are to be able to execute on it. What I've found is most of the businesses that I've been successful in or other people I know, they find a recipe, they find a formula, and they run that formula over and over and over and over again. And they don't get bored with doing monotonous things. They don't get bored. See, 
you always think it's this extravagant big account you got to get or this one thing you need to land. And what it's, it's typically in business, it's doing boring, monotonous things perfectly over and over and over again. And it's getting great at doing two or three things. I'm serious. It's getting great at doing two or three things. There's a football coach named Nick Saban, who's the head coach at University of Alabama. I think he just won his seventh national championship. He's arguably the greatest football coach of all time. And he, he talks about doing these boring things over and over again. And his quote is awesome. He says, we don't do things until we get them right, right? You always hear that, do it until you get it right. He says, no, 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 we don't just do it till we get it right. We do this until we can't get it wrong. And that's the difference. It's simple. The difference between winning and losing is so small, it's almost scary to talk about. And it's typically getting great at executing on two or three things in your business. The rich would like you to think that they're smart and sophisticated and it's complicated and you got to really learn all this stuff. It's not. It's not that complicated. Wow. What helped you to build your empire? Like when you were starting, what helped you the most, like brought the most income, like coaching or... No, my first income was built, uh, building a financial services company, recruiting and building a team in the financial services industry. It was certainly how I did that. I'm a team made multimillionaire um, by recruiting and developing leaders, by developing people, teaching them the skills to be influential. And so that was definitely the catalyst for me initially. But in the business of selling or recruiting, I learned a lot about how the mind works and how human behavior works and how to influence people. And really, what makes people dysfunctional? You know, why don't they succeed? I'd, I remember, you know, I'd recruit someone that you, you just never know who it is, because in business, you can't measure the heart of a man or a woman. You know, I remember we recruited this guy that played for the New England Patriots, good looking dude, six foot four, handsome guy, had played football, great shape. Same time I recruited a, you know, five foot eight, out of shape, you know, person whose English was their second language. They didn't go to college. You know, they both come into my business at the same time. Everybody would have bet on this New England Patriots guy. Turns out he couldn't handle the rejection. He couldn't do the grind. And the little dude ended up being mentally tougher, had the heart of a champion, stuck with it through adversity, and long-term became the multimillionaire. And the football dude was nowhere to be found in a year. And so you just never know. It's not It's the intangibles that make somebody win typically. It's their heart. It's their will to win. It's their mental toughness. It's their ability to focus, overcome adversity. These are things that you can't measure when you first meet somebody. It's not college scores. It's not IQ. It's not who they know or who they're connected to. It's not even their past. Their past isn't even always an indicator of success or failure. It's the intangible things. It's their heart. So that's what I think is the difference. Very interesting. I never thought of, about it like that. Yeah. And I don't think people even think about it too, because I don't usually... think you would, I don't think you would have bet on me. No. I think if you met me at 21, there wasn't anything super remarkable about me. I don't think you'd go, Oh, that guy. I mean, what, what did I have? I had a deep voice. I guess that's a gift, you know, like it's a, uh, I mean, I'm always thinking, what did God give me exactly? <laughs> you know? And I guess it's a decent voice. I mean, that and I don't know, you know, I mean, the rest of it is like God and work ethic because I'm not, I'm really not like in my own family, we do these IQ tests. I'm, I have a wife and two children. I'm fourth in IQ in my own house. Right. So it's not that, you know, I didn't know anybody. So it wasn't connections. I had not any big track record of being successful beforehand. I was a bus boy at a restaurant called the whole enchilada. And I was a bag boy at Safeway. 
and I worked in an orphanage. Those were my three careers before financial prominence. So you wouldn't have picked me. So. Wow. <laughs> How to set clear goals and achieve them. Well, everyone will give you goal setting advice. I'll just give you something no one will say to you because it's just new technology. But the idea that you write your goals down every, you know, everyone says, write your goals down, read them out loud twice a day. That's great. And that was the last, that was the last creative goal setting mechanism of the last hundred years. And so that was literally think and grow rich, whatever it was. 1920 something or whatever the year was the book was written and nothing's evolved since then well here's a newsflash there's video now there's other stimulus other than just writing so one thing i do with my goals that i teach the people like coaches video yourself with your goals so that you can watch the video back over and over again there's a power to watching you say it into a camera i am going to do this i'm going to do that and watching that video over and over again gives you a video response excuse me a visual response in your mind that's a stimulator other than just writing so write them but also have video so you can watch that back and watch it in the state you set it in. Because let's be honest, you set up a goal, you're in a positive state. And then when you're reading it six weeks later and you just got rejected, it's just not real anymore. So it's powerful to watch you back in the powerful person you were when you created it. So video yourself on your goals. That's one difference that I would teach over things you probably heard from everybody else. Wow, that's very interesting. I never thought that like you have to video yourself, but actually that's very good advice. Because you kind of keep yourself accountable and you visualize it too. So Correct. It does both. That's exactly right. Yeah. What habits allow people to perform at an elite level? Oh, they shrink time. They're in a bigger hurry. So I could give you a hundred different things, but you know, I teach something called mini days, which is the 24-hour day was created before the internet. Days should not be 24 hours. Days should be six hours. You can do more in six hours now with technology, with Zoom, with Google, than you ever could with a smartphone than you could in 24 hours before. And so I run six hour days, 6 a.m. to noon is a full day. I want to get the amount of contacts, fun, productivity, fitness in those six hours. Second day is noon to six, third day, 6 p.m. to midnight. You get three days in a day. I shrink my time frames down. I measure myself every hour. It's a weird thing at noon. We're at 11.30 my time right now. There'll be a little clock that goes off in my head at the top of every hour. It goes, what did I do this hour? What can I do next hour to double my efforts? What I hold myself accountable that way. So scarcity is value. Diamonds are worth more than paper because they're more scarce. And so the more you make time scarce and shrink it, the more valuable it becomes to you and the people around you. You need to be busy for people to take you seriously. If you're available anytime, it's okay if people show up late. If you're not in a hurry, successful people are just in a little bit bigger hurry. They talk faster, they walk faster. You know, there's just a little energy difference in people that are successful and it's a, it's a fine line. And so that, that's one of the things that I think is a differentiator um, for successful people. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And time, like the way we spend our time and like looking back at what we've done during the day and making yourself accountable, it's like kind of, Keeps you so going. You, and... start, you, you shouldn't measure at the end of the day. Measure it every hour. Oh, yeah. Every hour, like you said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how do you unwind? Golf, one. Comedy, two. Tequila, three. Wine, four. Peanut butter whiskey, five. And an occasional cigar, six. I would say those are my, my unwinds. I like to travel. I'm pretty good at that now. When I was younger, I didn't really know how to set stuff aside. I'm pretty good at one thing now. I know how to be present where I am. I never was good at that. No matter what I was doing, I was always thinking about the future or some problem or the meeting. 
I'm pretty good at going, just be in the moment, man. Just enjoy right now. Cause I spent 40 years probably not in the moment, just always looking forward or looking back or, you know, whatever. I'm pretty good now. Like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this moment right now. And so uh, that's how I unwind. A lot of that was alcohol, wasn't it? Should I be careful? <laughs> no. I usually just the, my Instagram people laugh because like most evenings I'll post me having a drink just so people know. I typically have one drink uh, when I drink, a maximum two. I was saying this to my sister last night. We were talking about this. I mean, maybe, maybe twice a year I have more than two drinks ever. So I'm not a, I don't, I don't do it in excess. It's not, I don't even like the taste of most alcohol, but that is sort of how I unwind. But how did you start like relaxing, you know, because you have so much going on. How do you like block your mind from this? And you just like, you know, think I had to do one thing. I only one thing works for me and you're going to think I'm crazy, but like when I'm done, I hide my phone from myself. I am too addicted to looking at my phone. And if it's anywhere near me, I'm going to look at it. So I put it in my bedroom if I'm in the living room, you know, and I just, it's just not there. I can't, I, I wish I were mentally stronger, but like, I look at my phone too much. The saddest thing ever is when I go to a restaurant or something, when we went to restaurants, you know, before COVID and I see a couple there or a family all out to dinner together and everyone's staring down at their phones and not talking to each other. And the reason it's sad to me is I relate to it. You know, I'm going to kick back out now and relax a little bit, but I'm checking my phone every four minutes on what's on Instagram, who emailed me, what text do I need to reply to? You know, the truth is there's almost nothing you have to reply to right now. Almost nothing. Almost never is there so-and-so died. This is a 911. Almost never is that on your phone. Now, once in a while it is, but almost never. And so for me, it's just putting my phone in another place. I mean, that sounds crazy, but it's what I do. If I'm at dinner with somebody and I take it in there, I literally put the phone in my pocket because nothing is more rude than I'm with you at dinner. And I go, yeah. Um, and I look down at my phone. That's saying who's ever in here is more important than who's in front of me. And I don't want to do that to people. So that's the change I made, made a huge difference. It's hard, really hard at first, but then you get used to it. And that's how I unwind. I agree. It's hard for me too. And I started doing this in 2021. I started doing social media detox on the weekends. So at least one day I try to Good for you. look at my phone less. I need to do that. I need to do <laughs> I look at it at all, but less. I need a social media fast for about three days. I'm due for one right now. <laughs> yeah. So. And what is your favorite quote that you live by? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I don't care what your faith is. By the way, I'm Christian, but I also believe in the quantum field. I believe in energy. I believe in vibration. So I'm kind of weird that way. But, um, you know, for me, I know how average and ordinary I am. There must be a God to, to have had good things happen for me in my life. And so I take a lot of comfort and confidence and strength in that I have faith and you know, I say this a little bit more lately. I'm a little bit more vulnerable about this, but like I pray every night on my knees. People are like, why do you do that? It's so old school. I do it because it helps me get small. It just reminds me of how small I am in the world. And it hopefully helps me with a dash of humility. And so my faith's really important to me and keeping me grounded and humble to an extent. I still have to watch that. And, uh, and then just giving me strength and comfort. So I totally agree with you. Like I believe, I mean, I'm Christian Orthodox, so I believe in God, but I also believe in energy too. And it's very important, especially when you become an entrepreneur and you start working with so many people, then it's like, you kind of know the energy, feel the energy and all about that too. 
<laughs> plus totally everybody's weird. going through like spiritual you can uh, feel a person's awakening. energy when you're around certain people you feel their energy good or yeah. bad right you do yeah, so yeah. energy energy is very much for real yeah and like you said you pray every night on your knees i do too but i mean not every night i need to get better at that but once in a while i do and i i do believe in that it's like more like kind of open to you know to god and like feel more connected absolutely too. by the way when i say every night i bet there's three or four nights a year i don't for some reason but <laughs> but it's 99.9 percent .9 of the nights for sure wow yeah and where can our listeners find you your social handles all the information i'd go to ed mylett on instagram which is e-d-m-y-l-e-t-t -E -T. you can go to spotify or itunes and look up my podcast youtube channel I've, uh, you know, an awful lot of free content that I create myself. And then I have a show where I interview somebody about every single week too. So just look for Ed Milet anywhere you can find me. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was my honor. I'm like so grateful for you to be my uh, guest. My pleasure. If there's anything I can ever do for you, let me know. Okay. Sure. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB Podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB Podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.